0: I'm going to talk today about heaven, the conclusion of our series on Living Hope. So Living Hope, uh, for those of you that have not been part of this series and, and following with us, really is about uh, Jesus Christ coming to earth. And, and it talks about in the book of Titus that, you know, the glorious appearing of our, of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. And that word glorious appearing is the word epiphany. And uh, God has done two epiphanies that are marked in the Word of God. There's all kinds of epiphanies that happen in the Word of God, but God has done two specific ones. The first one was 2,000 years ago when Jesus came to earth and uh, brought, you know, became a man, came to earth, lived and died uh, in order to save mankind, and that epiphany changed the world. How many of you know that? That, that, that coming of Jesus Christ and that word epi or epiphany, the, the root word epi means a superimposition upon time and space. So, God brought a superimposition upon time and space. He came down to earth and uh, brought the kingdom of God and opened the kingdom to you and to I so that we could have a relationship with God both now and for eternity. And so, for 2,000 years, Uh, That epi, that epiphany, has been shaping this world. And uh, incredibly so, you can look at, uh, just study the effect of Christianity, which we've talked about in other sermons, which is uh, the positive, amazing things that God has brought through His first coming. But the Bible also tells us about a second coming. That there's going to be a second epi. That's the blessed hope of the church. And that's what we've been talking about is part of what, how we're to live our lives is in preparation for the second coming of Jesus Christ. And the second coming of Jesus Christ is when Jesus is going to establish his kingdom once and for all on earth. And uh, that is an incredible thing. And I want to talk a little bit about that second coming and what it means for us to go to a place called heaven. What's heaven going to be like? What things can we expect when we go there? What are maybe some of the things that we're not expecting but are going to happen when we go there? You know, what is the reality of eternity? I grew up um, a little bit of a metalhead before I became a Christian. And uh, back in my day, it was the band ACDC was a pretty big band. And their, their biggest song, I think probably, maybe you'll disagree if you're an ACDC fan, was Highway to Hell. And, uh, you know, that was kind of the melodic song that you found yourself singing, but you knew something was wrong because you were singing about going to hell and my friends are gonna be there too and it's gonna be a party. And uh, I won't try and sing it for you because I just won't. Um, But I thought to myself, you know, in years gone by, why is hell attractive? And heaven seems like, hmm... Don't know if I want to go there. I'm going to tell you that's a completely wrong and upside down assumption. And I think it's because we have not had a clear picture of heaven in our hearts and our minds. And uh, I'm going to tell you something for church people and for all of us uh, that are seeking God and maybe seeking purpose in our life, even if you're not seeking God, I'm going to tell you having a vision and the reality of heaven strike your heart will shape your future and give you understanding of that. And that's what we're gonna look at today. You know, how can we have a clearer picture of heaven? And you need to have it. I'm gonna tell you the scripture that kind of sets up the fact that you need to have this reality of heaven in your heart. It's in Colossians chapter three, it just starts at verse one. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection also. This is why you are to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with the heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the naturals, of the natural realm. You know, there was a day when believers longed for heaven. There was a day when they would encourage one another. And many of the songs that we heard today we're songs of a generation celebrating the fact that, man, we're not just living for this life. No matter what we gotta go through in this life, our eyes are fixed and focused upon where we're gonna be one day, in eternity, for eternity. And I'm gonna tell you, you know, that compelled people to make tremendous sacrifices. That compelled people to live on the straight and narrow path. That compelled people to do some incredible things in their life. And uh, I was thinking about, uh, I'm gonna talk about in a few minutes, the Chronicles of Narnia. I and mean, part of the Chronicles of Narnia and the magician's nephew, uh, Aslan, who represents Jesus, is actually singing a song. And as he sings, the world is being created. And, there, and there's this guy there, and he comes from our earth, and he's visiting Aslan, and he's watching, he's watching, uh, sorry, Narnia. He's watching the world being created. And this is what he says, his exact words. And this is why I think you and I need to, to understand that having a reality of heaven, a picture of heaven in our heart and our mind is very important. He says, glory be. If I had been a better man in my life, if I had known there was a place like this. I'd have been a better man if I'd had known. See, that's what you need to know. We need to have a picture, the reality of eternity to change the way we live even now, today. Father, thank you for your word. Help me to preach it. God, how can I just help? (laughs) Help Holy Spirit to give us a picture of the eternal reality that we're about to enter into. Heaven is real. Lord, it's actually more real than everything we see or touch or feel around us because everything we see and touch and feel around us is temporal. It is here today and gone tomorrow. But heaven is forever and forever and forever. So Holy One, give us eyes to see today ears to hear hearts to receive and to respond to you in Jesus name Amen? amen so that we will be better men and women all of our lives because we know there's a place like this well how can I imagine heaven you know We were talking as a staff, and I was asking the staff this week, like, you know, give me thoughts about heaven. What do you you think about heaven? And and so we just had this kind of banter back and forth, and everybody was offering different opinions and different thoughts and things that strike them when they consider heaven. And it was interesting, Namara said, uh, heaven is far too much like a brochure to an exotic vacation. It's like a brochure. You know, it's like you've never been there, but you see the colorful brochure, and you're like, "Mm, yeah, it's kind of interesting. But how many of you know that when you plan an incredible vacation and actually begin to move toward that brochure's uh, picture becoming a reality, things begin to shift in your life? You know, uh, being in ministry... and I think this is true of everybody when you're first a young family. You know, we really couldn't afford a whole lot of uh, vacations, but we tried to take our kids on vacation every year. And often it would end up being just going to a friend's house somewhere and crashing on their floor on a, cou- on a couch and on an air mattress, and that's how, how much of a vacation you can afford. But it was just a break. It was a way to get away. It was good. All of us have gone through that when we have young families. And, uh, I, you know, I was thinking about it when we uh, moved from Fort McMurray, um, we sold our house in Fort McMurray and we moved down here and we bought a house and we saved a little bit of that money. We put a down payment on a house here. We saved a, a chunk of that money to take our kids on their first big vacation. And uh, so what we did was we planned to go on the Disney cruise ship. And so what we did is we began to understand something. You know, we, we got brochures, we, you know we got on the internet. We began to look at pictures. We began to plan our event. We got our our Disney cruise, the vacation package cruise thing came to us in the mail and we're like, oh my gosh, here it is. You'd open it up and there's all kinds of excursions that you can pick. And I want you to understand that we as a family began to plan. I'm not trying to promote Disney. They're not paying me for this. I wish they were because I'm really gonna make it sound like you all need to go there after I'm done. And uh, so you understand we, we, we plan these things and we're like, kids, what do you wanna do? And they're like, we wanna go to the turtle farm. Who doesn't want to go to a turtle farm? So we went to a turtle farm, and, and it was awesome. And then Mitchell was picking up a big turtle, and it was flailing. And Mitchell was putting a turtle back down. And, and, uh, and then we, we were swimming with stingrays. I know we weren't that smart as a family, but, you know, it was, just seemed really cool to me. That was part of the plan. Are you following me? All these things, we had to plan them, and and the kids were getting more excited. And I want you to understand something. You know, we said to our kids, you guys have to work and save money so that you will have spending money on the trip. And so they were diligent. They worked hard. I think Michaela saved like $300 doing all kinds of little chores and different things. and, 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 you know, she had this money, and Mitchell... Maybe he didn't save quite as much as Michaela, but, but uh, he did. Say, I don't know if he's here. He's here somewhere. There he is, the hat I see. Praise, praise the Lord. He's getting married soon. Everybody know that? Amen. <laughs> so uh, you understand that we had the day of vacation. We went there. We, we flew to, to uh, Orlando, Florida, and, uh, and then we, we, we took a, a, a car, rented a car and took it down to Fort Lauderdale, and then we got on the Disney cruise. And I'm gonna tell you, though we had planned and prepped and thought about it, it was actually, it kind of exceeded everything we thought. It was kind of incredible. And they had a Pirates of the Caribbean first day we we're walking and the pirates are scumming down and you're eating whole chicken with le- turkey legs. It was crazy. It was a party and uh, we had lots of fun. There was all kinds of things. The food was better than we thought it was going to be. The entertainment was better than we thought it was going to be. And, uh, you know, there was a place where you could put your kids in a little prison area. It was babysitting, I mean. And then the parents got to go and do whatever they wanted. Disney thought of everything. It was wonderful. They called us later to come get them, though. But um, just kidding, we went back to get them. The point is this. We had planned for that vacation. And that vacation was one of the kids' greatest moments of kind of, under, like, wow. Because they had anticipation for it. They anticipated this. And it even exceeded what they anticipated and I think that's what we need to understand about heaven. You know, Mitchell, I remember him dancing. They, they had these little nightclubs for kids, and I don't get freaked out. And uh, they had dancing, but nobody was dancing, none of the kids except Mitchell. So the guy says, you, come on up here. You're helping me. And so Mitchell got up there and led all the kids on the cruise. Doing, and he's just dancing, and every, every kid had to follow him. And the guy sort of, and it was so much fun. He had a little tuxedo on, and it came out all undone. And, he's, and he came running down, all sweat pouring out. He says, Dad, did you see me? I busted a new move. <laughs> and then there was Michaela. She had her autograph book, and she went to every Disney princess. Would you sign my book? And they would, oh, so precious Do you understand? It was awesome, you guys But this is what God wants us to think about When it comes to eternity I want to read a quote to you from um, C.S. Lewis From The Weight of Glory It says, if there lurks in most modern minds The notion that to desire our own good And earnestly to hope for the enjoyment of it Is a bad thing Indeed, when we consider the unblushing promises of the rewards, the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the gospel to us, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because we cannot imagine... What is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. I want you to get a picture in your heart, in your mind this morning, of the place that God is calling you to the ultimate vacation. So let's imagine the realities of heaven together. Here's the first one, the most important one, and the one that everything else flows from Imagine meeting Jesus face to face. Look what it says, Revelation 21. Then in a vision, I saw the new heaven and the new earth. The first heaven and earth passed away and the sea no longer existed. Look, God's tabernacle is with human beings. And from now on, he will tabernacle with them as their God. Now God himself will have his home with them. God with them will be their God. And this is the picture that is on stage right now I'm gonna, hopefully it comes up There it is And uh, this picture is called The First Day in Heaven And uh, you can come and look At the actual picture later But it, it's staggering The joy on this woman's face And, and it's so cool Because the, the artist captures Like there's rainbows Encircling Jesus Rainbows of living color. And there's a waterfall of the, of the glory of God just rolling off of Jesus as he's embracing this woman with such a staggering, fierce embrace. She's actually embracing him. And, and it's like the first moment in heaven, just the first thought of being with God, seeing God. You know, God is way better than you think he is. Do you know God is way kinder than you think he is? He's way more amazing. He's way more awesome. And you know, Psalm 1611 says this, As you're, you know, in your presence is the fullness of joy and at your right hand are your pleasures forevermore. You know, I remember when, in the Bible where Moses asked to see God face to face. He wanted to see God. He had spent time with God. He talked to God. The Bible says he talked to him like a friend, but there was always a veil covering between God and Moses. But Moses is like going for, going for glory. And he says, God, I want to see your glory. And God's like, dude, you can't see me because it'll kill you. Not because I'm so angry at you, not because I'm so fierce, but because I'm so good. (laughs) So he says, but there is a place where you can stand. You can stand in the the cleft of the rock. You can stand and I'll let my glory pass by you. And and I want you to understand, church, the cleft of the rock is Jesus. (laughs) There's a place where we can stand, where we can catch glimpses of the glory of God. But I'm going to tell you, on that day, it's not going to be a glimpse. It's going to be a full-on revelation. Wow, wow, wow. We're not going to have to think or wonder any longer. You know what God said to Moses when he said, I'm going to let you see my glory? He said, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you. Church, God is so good. He's so good. We can't even comprehend his goodness, but we can catch glimpses of it as we prepare for the day when we're gonna fully see that glory. Incredible. What does it mean to have the fullness of joy? You know, I thought about that. I was praying, I was saying, Lord, how do I illustrate this? How do I illustrate this? You know, in your presence is the fullness of joy. You know, you come to church and you experience worship, and if you're like me, there's a measure of joy here. There's a measure of peace here. There's a measure of the glory of God that I'm, I'm, it's affecting me. I'm feeling it. You know, the cares of my day are rolling away as I, I sit and I worship, and I'm like, oh, God, you're here. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But what does the fullness of joy look like? So I was praying about it and God brought back a memory to me. Memory of a young man named Sean. I'm gonna tell you a little story. And if I wasn't present, I wouldn't believe the story to be true. But because I was there, I did. Um, So I I was a new Christian, probably about a year. I had moved up to Fort McMurray. I was working at Syncrude for a computer company up there. And uh, I became part of a church. I went to a, a young adult kind of party after a church event and as I went there, you know, all the, some of the young adults I was beginning to get to know were there And uh, I just kind of went downstairs in this guy's house to check it out I thought, oh, beautiful house, I want to see it And I went downstairs, and the pastor from another church was there with another young man And they were having this kind of conversation You know when you walk in a room, you're like, ooh, awkward, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt But then the pastor, his name was John, he's like, dude, help me I, I need help with this guy, you know those eyes, like, don't leave, I need help and I don't know why he did, but I, I'd, so I just moved on over. And John was talking to a young man named Sean. And Sean had uh, grown up in a pastor's home. He was a, he was a Christian, but he had strayed for many years. And now he was coming back to God. He was a young adult. And, uh, but, you know, they were in this serious conversation. And so I sat down and I quickly found out what the conversation was about. Sean was telling Pastor John, he was saying, you know, I, I'm so, I, I really want to serve God, I'm, I, but I'm struggling. You know, he had spent a lifetime uh, of his teen years, I should say, uh, in addictions. And uh, and so in an honest moment of brokenness, Sean said, you know, I want to serve God with my whole heart, but I've never experienced anything as good as the drugs that I used to take. And I'm struggling. And, you know, Sean was expecting me and John to rebuke him. To say, you dirty, dirty thing. No, but, you know, that was not what we were going to do. Know what we felt God wanted to do. And I was a new Christian. Now, follow me now. I was a new Christian for a year. And I was kind of a radical new Christian. I was one of those guys that like... full-on light switch came on kind of guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I went from darkness to light. And so I was radical, and I just, I just grabbed him because I could tell John didn't know what to say because he'd never experienced what this guy had. I experienced what he had experienced. Do you understand? And I said, I said Sean... Drugs are Satan's counterfeit to the Holy Spirit. And God has more for you. And I said, you know what we're going to do right now? I'm going to pray that you get stoned on Jesus. Pastor John looked horrified. (laughs) Sean looked amused. And I was like going for it. (laughs) So... I, I just, we laid our hands on Sean and we began to pray and I'm telling you, God took over, guys. God took over. And this guy, just the presence of God filled the room and this Sean doubled over in t- joyous laughter and tears just thanking God. Thank you, Jesus. And he falls off the chair on the ground. For 15 minutes solid, he is crying out Thanksgiving tears running down his face as he's crying out to Jesus Uh, no word of a lie after about 20 minutes he was begging Jesus to stop I'm not even lying to you and then all of a sudden the party that was going on upstairs started to move downstairs because we were having church you know what I'm saying and and it, it got pretty awesome no this is not an exaggeration Well over an hour and a half later, they had to carry him out of the basement, stick him in John's car, drive him home to his parents' house. Now understand, his parents had seen him come home in this state many times before, but not under the influence of God. So these Christian kids are carrying this kid in to mom and dad's house while he is so influenced by the power and the presence of God, he can't even walk That's a pretty powerful story. That's in your presence is the fullness of joy, and it's not even close to what God has for us. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I went through Bible college. I, went, I left uh, Fort McMurray. I went, came back, went to Bible college. Several years later, I was preaching at a conference, and this guy walks up to me, and he says, I don't know if you remember me, and I said, John, John. I said, "How, Sean? You know, you kind of have this like moment together where you're like, How, tell me the story. How are you doing? What's going on with you? What Whatever happened to Sean? Because you lose track. This was several years later. He said, Sean never went back to his drug addiction after that. Something shifted and changed in him forever. Now he travels with a musical Christian group around the world celebrating God for what God has done in his life. Do you understand? That's just one picture of the fullness of joy. Listen to what Psalm 16 goes on and says, says, Lord, I've chosen you alone as my inheritance. You are my prize, my pleasure and my portion. I leave my destiny and my timing in your hands. Your pleasant path leads me to pleasant places. I'm overwhelmed by the privilege that comes with following you for you have given me the best. That was pretty good. So meeting Jesus, seeing him face to face for the first time, the rainbow colors, the rivers of water flowing, the glory of God striking us. What is that gonna be like, guys? There's an old hymn that says, all the toils in life will be repaid with just one glimpse of him in glory. One glimpse. One glimpse, church. Imagine meaning Jesus face to face. How about imagine the abundant life we will experience there? Revelation 22 goes on and says this, the angels showed me the river of water of life flowing, water clear as crystal, continuously pouring out from the throne of God and from the Lamb. On other side of the river was the tree of life with its 12 kinds of ripe fruit. According to each month of the year, the leaves of the tree of life are the healing of the nations. Crazy. And every curse will be broken and no longer exist. For the throne of God and the lamb will be in the city. You know, I just, let me just stop there for a minute. For the throne of God and the lamb will be in the city. Do you understand the throne of God represents the authority of God? And and one day, you know, we pray all the time, guys, in authority. We come against sickness and we come against disease and, and, you know, we're doing our best. And sometimes we fail and sometimes we, we see God's victory and we always see God's victory because I'm going to tell you on that day, it's complete. Nothing is left undone. It is finished. His loving servants will serve him and they will continually see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. There will be no need for light or the sun of the lamp because the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign as kings forever and forever. What does that mean? I think the first thing we talked about a little bit was, in the staff, was that purpose will be fully realized. You know, heaven is not you on the cloud with a harp and a bowl of Philadelphia cream cheese. It's not. That is not heaven, okay? For some of you, that's hell, but that's, that's just not heaven. heaven. Heaven, you know, we're gonna actually fully manifest the purpose that God has for us. And, and for some of you that are highly creative, that creative understanding will come to you. For some of you that are just highly energized to do different things, God will bless that and multiply. It's gonna be awesome. You're gonna fulfill Your greatest purposes. You know, I was thinking, I think it was uh, Namara that said, uh, um, you know, I want to walk with God and create. Because in heaven, let me tell you something, there's still work. But work is not like work here on earth. Do you know, work in heaven is what you speak comes to be? You're created in the image of God. When He created the heavens and the earth, He just spoke. And what he said, he said, in the midst of darkness and chaos, he said, let there be light. And when he said it, it came to be. Can you imagine going with God and you speak something? Can you imagine, listen to me, can you imagine writing a poem? And and as you're writing a poem, you think, I don't write poems. I know, but you're going to write poems. And as you write the poem, like the revelation of God comes off the page and everybody who reads it starts to worship God. That's that's the reality. Church, I want you to understand that in heaven, everything we've done here on earth will be rewarded in eternity for eternity. I, I, I saw this picture and it blew my mind. I want you to understand that it's the works that we are doing now while on earth that are creating eternity. They are creating the new Jerusalem. They're creating the heavenly city that is coming down. You're saying, Pastor Greg, that doesn't make sense. you you study Revelation 21 and 22, you study Daniel, all these things. I'm going to tell you something right now. It said that when the bride came down, I saw the bride coming down, the new Jerusalem, and adorned with all kinds of stones, and, and written on the names of the stones were the names of the twelve apostles and the disciples. Were na- Do you understand that every single stone, every single thing has a story behind it? you're going to see diamonds and jewels encrusted into the walls of the temple of God. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know if you need to touch it or just look at it. When you look at it, it's going to speak to you the story of somebody's life and sacrifice that was made to build that stone in that place in eternity. Wow. That is unbelievable. Can you imagine it? every sacrifice made, everything you lay down in this life. We're not just building a church here, we're building a church in eternity. Do you know the sacrifices that are being made by you to build this house is not just for this house. This house one day will fall down and decay and be torn down, but I'm telling you, there's one in eternity that will never fall down or decay. That's what you're building. That's what it's about. I can only imagine the music. I can only imagine all the things that are gonna happen. What about no fear, no shame, no regret? Completely healed and made whole in Jesus. Revelation 21 says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes and eliminate death entirely. No one will mourn or weep any longer. The pain of wounds will no longer exist for the old order of things has ceased. (laughs) You're no longer going to be defined by your past. You're no longer going to be crippled. You know, there are times I, I, I catch myself all the time and I'm like, what am I doing talking to myself this way? Do you ever catch yourself talking? You're like, man, you don't. sometimes you're really mean to yourself, Greg. Sometimes you're really hard on yourself. And I'm like, God, why is that? And he, God's like, you don't have a full revelation of who you are in me. You're not seeing clearly yet. You know, sometimes I have such regrets. Do you ever have those moments? Like, you think of a thought of when you were like 14, and you're like, why didn't I say that to that guy? And you're like, I'm 52 now, man. What is wrong with me? <laughs> you're so defined by these things. I'm going to tell you that in heaven, there's a magic eraser. <laughs> but Lord, you don't. Where'd it go? You don't need to know. It's gone. It's gone. I love it. No longer defined by our past. Here's another one that I love. Our need for perfection is satisfied. I often talk about that at funerals. How many know we have a desire for perfection? How many have ever bought a new car? Isn't the new car smell the best? Like, (laughs) sorry, it is the best. How many remember when you bought a new car and the first scratch you got on the new car? I can tell you when it happened. I bought a new, when we moved here, we bought a new minivan. First new vehicle we ever owned in our lives. Amazing. Wow. Went to, went to Tim Hort, or no, went to Swiss Chalet. Christian Chicken, thank you, Jesus. I'm promoting so many things. Disneyland, Christian Chicken now, Swiss Chalet. And I came out of Swiss Chalet and there was a ding. Dang in my brand new minivan. And my wife is way more saved than me. It's just stuff. Worst thing you can say in this moment is what you just said to me, Betty. (laughs) I'm checking the car's door next to me to see if there's a blue line. (laughs) My need for perfection is gonna be satisfied on that day. My need for permanence is going to be satisfied on that day. How many of you, know, when you've gone through loss, the thing about loss that's so hard, the thing about funerals that is so hard is it's wrong. <laughs> There's something in us that tells us that death is wrong. Separation is wrong. We are wired for permanence. We're wired for perfection. Perfection. You know, I remember hearing a story of a man named uh, Pastor O'Rourke, actually, in Alberta. And what's bizarre about this is Kate Kate knows this family. And Kate knows this story. So I was bringing it up at staff meeting. And she said, I know that pastor. It's in northern Alberta. And uh, and uh, what happened was they were at, a, I think it was an Easter picnic. And uh, the, his daughter said, Daddy, I want to go down and play by, you know, down by the water. And she went down there and not and there was a bear cave there and it had been abandoned for years. So the kids used to go love and go play. But this time a bear had come back into the cave and the bear grabbed the little girl and the pastor went in to try and save her and then both of them were caught, captured by the bear. Long story short, the little girl lost her life. But the pastor, he almost lost his. They air him down to Edmonton. He died on the way down. And as he died, he went to heaven. And I won't go into all the details of that, but part of the story is he realized that, you know, so much of his life was driven by trying to do things perfectly. And he realized his need for perfection would be satisfied. He realized his daughter was okay. Even in the midst of this terrible, horrific tragedy, And he began to write songs and poetry and all kinds of stuff because he just let go of so much of the feeling of, I I can't do that. I'm not good enough to do that. But one day in heaven, it would be satisfied. You can read about his story. I think he just passed away. I was looking on the internet. Pastor O'Rourke in Northern Alberta. How about, ladies and gentlemen, a bubble wrap free zone where you no longer have to worry about your kids and bubble wrap them. That, that'll be okay, wouldn't it? Bubble wrap's good, but not in heaven. You don't need it anymore. You know, I've told you this story before, but uh, it's a good thing when you can put your kids in God's hands, isn't it? Amen? And when you know there's nothing else you can do. How many know when your kids get to an age where they're getting married... Um, you, you actually, you're done in that sense. You just have to put them in God's hands and say, oh my God, bless them. Finish the work you are done. I remember we told you this before when Michaela went away on missions and uh, she was in uh, the nation of Nepal. And of course, the massive earthquake hit Nepal and we had no way of contacting her. And so, you know, for most, how many of you know that's a little bit stressful? And, and we, got, we got one text from her after about 18 hours, and it said, we're okay uh, experiencing aftershocks. That was it. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> you know, Betty, I started asking me questions like, I knew more. I got, you're reading the same text as me, honey. <laughs> but we just prayed, and we put her in God's hands. And what was so incredible was I went to prayer on Monday morning, And uh, a lady came up to me who comes to prayer and uh, she said, I really felt uh, to give you a scripture this morning. And she gave us Psalm 27. She said, I think like the first six verses or something. And I just started laughing. I said, that is the scripture we use to dedicate Michaela to. And it talks about, When your enemies surround you, that God will exalt you and God will crown you. It was this incredible promise from God saying, just trust me. Do you understand? Sometimes we go through incredible tragedies and other times we go through incredible victories, but God is still God through it all. Don't have to worry about your kids. You're unburdened in heaven. Cares and worries and shame, shame is gone. What a thought. Hallelujah. Peter asks a question. He says, I wonder what normal is in heaven. He says, I'm such a foodie. I'm such a foodie. What is food going to be like in heaven? Great question. All I know is, heaven starts with a seven year marriage party. We get all bent out of shape when a wedding goes longer than two hours. This is a seven-year marriage supper of the Lamb. To you. He's marrying you. He's coming into covenant with you and I and all those who've gone through, through past and eternity. This is a party church. What's food gonna be like in heaven? What's nature gonna be like in heaven? Will there be animals in heaven? Yeah. This one blows my mind. What will color... Be like in heaven. There's a scripture in Proverbs that blows my mind. It says, In your light, we see light. Do you know that heaven has a a realm of light that is so brilliant that our light is an object? (laughs) That means there's a whole other spectrum that does not exist. I don't know what those colors, Zeon, call them whatever you want. I don't know. There's some colors coming that you can't even comprehend. God hasn't reserved everything for this life. This is just a little taste of what's going on up there. Well, let's move on. Imagine meeting Jesus. Imagine what abundant life will be like. Imagine who you will see there. Mrs. Agri had the best quote. When you get to heaven, please don't sit and stare, for doubtless there will be a few people who are also surprised to see you there. (laughs) We're like, amen, sister. (laughs) That's the first thing is like, how did you get here? Yeah, don't worry, we thought the same thing about you. (laughs) How about your loved ones that have gone before you? I think I'm seeing my mom and dad again. I think of meeting Betty's mom for the first time. An incredible lady who was the product of a rape. And lived her whole life with that shame. And yet raised nine incredible children. And I married one of them. I get to meet that woman. That's gonna be amazing. I think of our little son or daughter that we lost to miscarriage. I'm gonna meet for the first time my child. Wow. (laughs) That's gonna be something else. I ask God, I was praying this week, And I ask God God reveal to me something that I'm not seeing Reveal to me something that I I don't expect Is going to happen And I'm not saying God spoke to me audibly Church but you understand God impresses things on you And the thought came to me this The answer To unanswered prayers Wow You know the prayers I'm talking about Why 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 did this happen, God? Why did that person die? Why did that tragedy happen? The why of suffering, the questions that you just don't have an answer for in this life, you'll have answers for that day. It's pretty amazing. You know, you're gonna see what worship did to you. You know, worship creates an atmosphere. It actually creates something that when we sit here and worship, do you know that something is happening in the, in the, not only the spirit realm, but in the physical realm because of what you're doing just by worshiping. We're gonna see that one day. Oh, that, that was the effect of me pressing in and praying. That was the effect of me worshiping. That was the effect of me going to church. That was the effect of me declaring my faith and allegiance to Jesus. You're going to see your giving rewarded. The place itself and the many rooms of the Father's house. You know, not this Father's house, but the Father's house. You know, I don't know what that means, but I love it. I love the scripture that says, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. You know why I like rooms better than mansions? Because rooms means I'm still in the same house with the whole family. Mansions is you're over there and I can't really invade your mansion But I love rooms because rooms is like I'm going to hang out in Betty's room <laughs> Don't worry there's no, there's no heaven There's no marriage in heaven The Bible says all your intimacies and ecstasies will be with God But I think she's going to have a cooler room And my room is going to be cool too Don't worry about it I, I, I just I, I, I'm sorry but let yourself Imagine What's your room in heaven gonna be like? You know, my room, you're gonna walk in and understand something. Your room could be the size of a universe. There's no limits of time or space there. In my room, there are gonna be incredibly beautiful mountains and rivers. In my room, there's gonna be a ski hill. In my room, there are gonna be fishing places to fish. That are awesome. In my room there's gonna be a beach and the sun, the sun, the warmth of the presence of God. My room is good you understand? My room is gonna be awesome. I don't know about your room. But my room's awesome. You're gonna to wanna to come to my room. And we're gonna have eternity to kinda of do that. Here's another one that I like people. You will meet people that you had no idea you had influenced into eternity. Last week, maybe 15, 18 people, 20 people, I'm not sure, made a dedication of their life to Jesus. Do you know you're going to meet them in eternity? And they're going to say, because you guys built the church, because you guys did what you did, because there was a place for me to go, I met God, and when I met God, I, I, my life changed. I want to thank you. Like, I, I don't even know you. You had a part to play in that. You know, when you this church took up an offering and raised $15,000 to print all the booklets for a massive crusade that happened in, in um, Honduras, And this church printed 250,000 booklets that went in the hands of new believers. Do you understand that in that crusade, over 400,000 people came to Jesus? And 250,000 of them received training on what it meant to be a Christian because of you. What effect is that going to have in eternity? You've changed a nation. This little church in Mortonville. That's what's going to happen on that day. People are going to come to you like, you prayed for me. You did this. You gave there. Wow. Wow. What about the shoe boxes that you've sent? What about Josh and Chelsea? McManus who are on their way to Mozambique right now. What is the effect of their life going to be? They're your missionaries. Could go on and on and on And all the other people You know, I said earlier I love funerals This is the weirdest thing to say, isn't it? But I do I love funerals of believers Because The story's not over (laughs) And what shocks me At every single Christian's funeral that I do Is the things I never knew about them Every one of them it's like this mind-blowing, really? They did that? Really, they helped that person? Really, they adopt. Really? I never knew that. And you're sitting there and you're mesmerized. But do you understand heaven is gonna be that times like on steroids? And it's gonna be cool to hear Paul's story and Moses' story and Mother Teresa's story. But I'm, I, you know, I'm gonna tell you something. You know, The stories that I'm, I'm really interested in are Georgina and Jerry Scott. I think John and Karen Sampoigny are going to be amazing stories. How about Margot, Kirkpatrick or Kent and Denise Barrett? Kent won't tell me his whole story, but I'm going to get that story one day. <laughs> I'm going to get it one day and it's going to, Kent, I knew it. <laughs> Guys, this this is pop the popcorn time. And, and I, I want... Don't you want, I want I want on that day, to uh, the whole of heaven say, play it again, Jesus. Play it again. Play Greg Fraser video again. I don't want to be an infomercial in heaven. And there was a guy named Greg Fraser. He was in Mournville. Okay, moving right along. No, don't want to be an infomercial. Don't want to be a 30-second spot in heaven. I want to be like the story, the epic saga. Greg Fraser, 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 Fraser. Fraser. <laughs> Amen? Well, come on. If you're going to imagine, imagine a little bigger than that. Here's the last thing I want to talk about Imagine being part of a story that never ends. I love great stories, but I hate it when every one of them ends. I love reading a good novel. But when I'm starting to get to the end of it, I actually slow down. Because I'm like, I was going to say a bad word, but... Crud. The story's coming to an end. Because I've invested my life. Are you following me? I'm part of the story. They're my story too now. When... My kids were young, we used to do all kinds of fun things. But One of them was we read, and I was reading the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, which there are seven books in the Chronicles of Narnia, and so we were reading them. But reading was not Mitchell's strong suit. It was Michaela, she loved... I'm not trying to pick on you, Mitch, but he loved stories more. And so we we figured out that we needed to listen to the Chronicles of Narnia. So one of our vacations, we were driving, and part of the trip driving to vacation was really part of the vacation. So we had 17 hours going from Fort McMurray to Kelowna. So we got the Chronicles of Narnia on CD. Seven books. And we looked to the story and we'd stop it and then we'd talk. Oh was that neat. I was like, that was Aslan's like Jesus. And, and oh, did you see how they talked about heaven there? Do you see how they did this? You see the sac- Do you Wow, wow. And we listen all the way there and all the way back. And at the end, Michaela's like, play it again. Play it again. They love the stories, my kids, Mitchell and Michaela. But there's one part of the story. Michaela is kind of like um, in her room, there's two closets, like every girl should have two closets. Thank you, Jesus. But she stripped her closets one day and painted them. And then she wrote out the first chapter of the lion and the witch and the wardrobe, just the first paragraphs on her closet wall in letters about that big. I tried to take a picture of it, but I don't think, did it come up? I don't know if it does. It's, you can't really see it. Anyway, that's the second closet. In her second closet, she wrote the last chapter of the last battle, which is the last book. And I wanna read a portion of what's on her wall. You can't see it, but this is what it says. After the characters in the story, Lucy and Susan and all the different characters are going to Aslan's country, Narnia, for the last time and they think, oh, are you gonna send us back? And he's like, no, this time you're here permanently. And then this is the very last chapter of the book and I think it's the greatest chapter ever written in literary, whatever, whatever. Here it is. Here's what is written on that wall. It says, and, li- and it said, hang on. It's really important that you wait a minute. Here we go. And as he spoke, he no longer looked at them, to them to be like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now, at least, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read which goes on forever and forever in which every chapter is better than the one before. That is the ending and the beginning of a great story. Amen? This is what we have, church. Imagine meeting Jesus. Imagine the abundant life that awaits you. Imagine the people who will be there with you. But here's the question. Will you be there? Because it's your choice. See, heaven is not just more desirable option than hell. It is the perfect, promised, eternal adventure unlike anything else you've ever experienced. That was a pastor's quote from Seacoast Church. Will you be there? See, Revelation 22 ends with this invitation. It says, "Come," says the Holy Spirit and the bride, in divine duet. Let everyone who hears this duet join them in saying, "Come. Let everyone gripped with the spiritual thirst say, "Come. Let everyone who craves the gift of living water come." and drink it freely it is my gift to you come you have to open the gift amen I'm going to ask the band to come back we're going to take communion in a minute but I'm going to ask you all bow your heads as they're making their way up here and we're going to pray church the Bible very clear Jesus has done everything he can do for you to know him. But you have to take the last step. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you will open the door and allow me to come in and dine with you, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do life together with you. And if you choose to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your savior, as many of you and most of you have done here already. That is your eternal destiny. It's life with God. We're gonna do something a little different and we're gonna take communion now. But if you're here first and foremost and you've never given your life to Jesus, but you're knowing today that he is here and he is saying, my son, come to me. My daughter, surrender your life to me. I had to do that when I was 20 years old in a church service like this. I had to say, God, I want to trust you. And then all the weight of the world was on my arm. But when I lifted it and said, God, I give you my life, I surrender, (sighs) heaven rushed in. So if that's you here today, I'm giving you the opportunity to boldly do the last step. Jesus took every step toward you, but it's your turn now. Will you take the last step and open the door to him? Say, come in, Jesus. If that's you, raise your hand so I can pray with you. Yes. Thank you. Come on now. Jesus died for you on a cross. Be bold. Take that last step. I know there's somebody else here that God wants to touch. Stop fighting him. You're not going to win the fight. (laughs) Surrender. Raise your hand up high if that's you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what you're gonna do. Thank you for it. Let's give these two people a hand that raise their hands. Amen. your hand come and talk to me afterwards just come grab me and say hey pastor that was me there's communion at the front there's communion at the back you just come and take a wafer you dip it in the the grape juice it symbolizes your common union with Christ it symbolizes that Christ has made a way for you to come to him there's gluten-free on my left your right in the front if you need it or there's communion tables here or at the back. But I want you to take a few minutes as we sing this song and I want you to imagine heaven. Because something I said today or something the Spirit said to you encouraged you. And When you have that picture in your mind, then I want you to come and take communion and just say, thank you, God. (laughs) Thank you, God. Can we do that? So... You can remain seated, actually. We're going to sing this song. Communion table is open. But before we do that, for the people that raise their hand, let's pray together, every single one of us, out loud this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. Now help me to live for him. With your help, God, I'll be prepared to meet you in eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.